0: I tell people in my ideal dream world, nobody would know who I am. I'm actually a lot more of an introvert than extrovert. Um, I can be an extrovert when I'm amongst people that I know, but yeah. if you drop me into a, you know, strangers, I'm going to go hang out in the corner probably. Uh, so in my ideal world, nobody would know who we are, but I have seen the benefit of being able to model generosity in action and and inspire other people to do that also. I wish we yeah. told more stories about the companies yeah. and the people that are super generous because they they outweigh those that are not.
1: Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host Molly Stillman and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, the companies and the small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I get to sit down with an incredible entrepreneur, business leader, community activist, nonprofit director, speaker, author, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you, the listener, that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Cody Foster. Cody is the co-founder of Advisors Excel, which is located in Topeka, Kansas. And Advisors Excel has a mission to help good financial advisors become great business owners so they can help people enjoy an amazing retirement. Since their founding in 2005, they've grown from the three original founders to over 725 employees today, making them one of the largest employers in Topeka. But they are not just that. They are so much more. They've been named the a great place to work for four straight years. They have an incredible uh, just philanthropic program. And I have a bit of a personal connection to Advisors Excel because as many of you know, my husband, John. Is a financial advisor and he works with Advisors Excel. I have known Cody for a few years and I have wanted to have him on the podcast and you know, many times over the years. And we finally were able to make it happen. And I was so excited about this conversation and it was as rich and incredible as I knew it would be. You are going to absolutely be blown away by Cody's story and his leadership advice and just his the way that he casts vision for what business can look like and financial stewardship oh man this episode is so 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 rich you are going to love it he is also just most importantly he's a husband and a father cody and his wife jennifer have been married for over 20 years they have two incredible kids dylan and ella Man, you're going to love this episode. You are just be sure to sit back, relax and enjoy. But before I get to my conversation with Cody, I want to thank one of our partners of the show and that is Tradlands. Tradlands is an incredible, sustainable fashion brand that believes in clothing that you can live in now and love forever. Clothing that not only makes you feel like your best self, but also fits in a way that flatters. Their gorgeous dresses, pants, tops, and more are designed to move with you When you go about your busy days, their Nico dress is one of my favorites. It's it's essentially my dress or my love language in the form of a dress, if you know what I'm saying. Because not only does it have sleeves, but also pockets. And you know how I feel about dresses with pockets. I love how comfortable and stylish every piece Tradlands has, and they come in colors like you know classic neutrals or vibrant hues like fuchsia. And one of the things I love most about Tradlands is they're a small business, and they have a really strong focus on sustainability and creating small batch clothing that lasts. They never overproduce what they make, and they focus only on using the highest quality materials. I want you to check them out. Go to tradlands.com. That's T-R-A-D-L-A-N-D-S.com forward slash business with purpose. And you can use the coupon code Molly20 for 20% off. That's tradlands.com forward slash business with purpose. Use the code Molly20 for 20% off. You are going to love them. Check them out. Now, without further ado, on to my conversation with Cody Foster. Cody, I am so excited to have you on the show because I feel like every venue where I'm around you or see you, you're interviewing somebody else. And so now I I feel like the tables have turned. So welcome. Thank you for being here.
0: Well, thank you for having me. And uh, we'll we'll see how I do. You're right. I'm, I'm used to asking the questions more than answering them.
1: Yeah, you're used to asking them. And, and it's always like Shaq and I don't know, George W. Bush and Dabo. So I mean, just no pressure on my end whatsoever, yeah, I know. Cody. Well,
0: well, well, your guest is not as impressive as, as those that you just mentioned. So we'll see how we do. I
1: love it. Okay, well, let's dive right in. Have you give us the Cody 101. So who you are, what you do and how you got to, where you are today.
0: Sure. Uh, um, so I'll try and uh, share quickly. Like Full-time roles, uh, founder, and I guess you'd say almost co-CEO. I don't know. Dave and I have never really given ourselves titles. Uh, <laughs> a company called um, Advisors Excel that I, I know you're familiar with uh, because of your husband. And so we uh, started Advisors Excel 17 years ago. Our, our clients are financial advisors, independent financial advisors. And we sit in between them and the insurance companies and investment companies that they access product through. So wholesale those products to those advisors. So it started with three of us. Three of us founded the company. Today we're uh, sitting right at about 800 employees. Um, we're in Topeka, Kansas is where we're headquartered. work with about 650 independent advisors across the country, really supporting them and, and trying to help them build a better business. So that's uh, what, what I do full-time, full-time job. Got into this business a little bit uh, fluky. I went to college, majoring in mass media and public relations. Really, kind of my dream was to work for a professional sports team. When I was in my junior year of college, my grandma and grandpa, who were entrepreneurs, they had they had divorced when I was younger. But my grandma had owned the cafe in the small town I grew up in, and ended up declaring bankruptcy. Just didn't know how to run the business, or made some big. Actually, not really big. Small business mistakes that compounded and led to her declaring bankruptcy at 64 years old. So I decided I wanted to learn a little bit more about money, went and got a job at a bank, decided I wanted to do more in financial services. And then first job out of college, uh, which was at a firm that David, my partner today, worked at, was doing what we do today. So did that for four years, decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur, kind of always had that in my blood probably a little bit. And... Uh, <laughs> So started this in, in 2005. And it's been a, a wild, kind of a wild ride since then.
1: Well, I think that's the perfect overview. And there's a lot that I want to unpack about you do so much more than just work with independent advisors. And we're going to get to that. Um, but
0: this is the Thank first
1: question I wanted to ask, because have you ever seen the movie Office Space? It's like, it's an uh, old, like, it was like 1999. Yes. Okay. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, Where they
0: beat beat up the printer. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 That okay. One? Yeah. So
1: there's like one of my favorite scenes in there is, uh, there's this character that goes in and he meets with the bobs and the bobs are like these two guys who are like trying to evaluate what everybody does and whether or not they can be fired. And the bobs sit there and they look at this guy and they go, what would you say you do here? And like, <laughs> they just ask this question. So every single time, I am traveling with my husband to some AE event. <laughs> People go, I thought your husband works for himself. And I go, so he does. But he also works with this company called Advisors Excel. But he runs his own business. And it's he's by himself. And it is I cannot, to this day, as long as I've been around AE, explain what AE is or what it does. So for those yeah. of us that are five and need us, need, explain it to us like we're five, what AE is and like how my husband, who works for himself, he's his own company, his own employee, but also works with a e. How does that work?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I've been trying to explain this to people forever because <laughs> yeah. it's it's you know what's funny about it is it's actually like the the simplest business model ever, but it's really hard to to explain for some reason. Yeah. So let me try and explain it. Okay. So your husband, he may use uh, any number of insurance companies and their products to help put a plan together for his clients. So, we represent about 50 different insurance companies. So, some household names that people would know, like a nationwide, you know, Peyton Manning Commercials yeah. or Pacific Live or, or Allianz. We represent all of those different insurance companies. So, let's say we represent, I would say, somewhere around 50, probably. John can't actually go contract direct with those insurance companies. They make him go through an organization like us to access their products. Some of that is they don't want to have to staff and train and, and do all the training. So they outsource it and they pay companies like us to do that for them. So there's probably, I don't know, Molly, a, a couple hundred companies like Advisors Excel out there. And technically, we make money when advisors like your husband sell products um, with a company that they're licensed through us to sell. So right. in that example, na- Nationwide or Pacific Life. So companies like us have been around forever. What we did when we started in 2005 is, is just really looked at... At the time, really all these organizations were were product providers. So John would call us and say like, hey, here's... The situation my client has. Can you tell me what the best product would be to solve solve their need? And we kind of knew the products. What what we did that was maybe a little different. And some of this is because we spent a year as financial advisors in 04. so we left our job, became advisors, realized how hard it was. <laughs> yeah. but we started. To, <laughs> it, it seemed like it was going to be easy. It, yeah. As you know, it's not as easy as it yeah. seems. But but really, what that. Um, kind of lit a fire in us is is what your husband is is a small business owner whose business happens to be financial services or financial advice. So what we've tried to do is build an organization that's not quite as focused on the product and more focused on how do we help those good advisors become great business owners. So they we always say so they can help people plan an amazing retirement. So everything we do, everything you've seen, you know, or experienced here through the events and the stuff we do. Is all built around what are all these other things that it takes to build a great business? So, marketing, you know, everyone kind of knows the planning side of being an advisor, but, you know, operations, marketing, uh, and, and then candidly, so many of the events we do are about bringing them together to learn from each other yeah. so they can get better. So, real, the, the simple version is when a financial advisor who has contracted with us sells a product, we get paid. Um, and that's probably the simple way yeah. of explaining what we do. I I think the more, you know, Robust version is we're doing everything we can to help those advisors build the best business possible, knowing that you know the the more clients they serve, obviously the the more revenue they generate for their firm, the more revenue it generates for our firm.
1: Yeah, okay, that was the perfect example of of explaining okay. it like I'm or like I'm five, and uh, I will now take <laughs> that example and every time somebody asks me okay. like, but who 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 what do they do? <laughs> then yeah. I'll, I'm better equipped. <laughs> so, but, so that but was you, really a selfish you, question. You make-
0: Well, and you make a great point, right? So every advisor we represent or that we work with is completely independent. They own their own business. What I love about that is they're not beholden to, you know, I I won't say any names, but there's brand names that advertise Mm -hmm. on TV all the time where the advisors that work for those organizations pretty much have to do what the organization tells them to do. Uh, Your husband and the advisors we support are free to go look at, literally hundreds of different products uh, investments to figure out the best plan for their clients and and i do think when you have more choice that tends to end up providing a better solution for the end consumer which is a, a really really cool thing and so we we get to represent all these different small business owners you know the the challenge in that is um, it's hard to create one solution because they all are running their own business and all running it a yeah. little bit different. So, as we roll out things to support them, it takes a, a lot more work for sure.
1: Yeah. It's really always really interesting when we go to these events and, and it really becomes almost like this community. Before we were recording, we were talking about my boy Jeff Cherry. I love that guy. He's an advisor in Florida yeah. and uh, like he's just, he's become a dear friend. We just, we love him. And there are so many other people that we've, you know, every time we see them at events, it's almost like like a family reunion. You're like, hey, that guy, you know. Um, but it's cool because yep. you know you have somebody like my husband who he's by himself, like he's the only advisor on staff. Like he has, you know, one or two uh, kind of support staff people. And then, but he's able to connect with some of these people who might have like 20 advisors on staff. So it's like, you know, it's, it's really cool to kind of see the, um, the, just the way that they're able to learn from each other and, um, you know, connect with other people who are doing the, a similar thing. Now I know that you guys have grown uh, like it, just an insane amount. I mean, I realize it's a very professional way of, of saying it, of from when you started in 2005 and 17 years later, It's a very different company and I'm always struck at some of the AE events when you show just sort of the growth over time and it's really uh, quite amazing. Um, But one of the things that I know that you have said before, and I don't know exactly where you've said that, was that if you and uh, Dave had been put in charge of an organization as big as AE is currently, but like back when it started. So say you just kind of come into this organization when it was as big as it is now, but back then, you would have run it into the ground. And you've talked yep. about how you've had to learn how to be a leader. And so I'm curious, like, what mistakes did you make or what lessons have you learned along the way when you were smaller that have paid dividends now? I kind of think of that um, that verse in the Bible of like, he who is faithful with little things can be faithful with much. And so you were faithful with the little things, but you still made mistakes. So I'm kind of curious how that has, um, what you've learned from that.
0: Yeah. And, and you said it well, right? It's um, I, I like to say there's nothing in my background that prepared me to lead the organization that we have today. The first person in my family to go to college, um, you know, it was, I went to a a small division two school here in Topeka. I majored in mass media, right? So didn't even take any real business business classes. Uh, in fact, I, I've only shared this once or twice, but in my first job, I was actually put in a leadership role and removed from that. I, I didn't really care because I knew I was quitting in like 60 days, but <laughs> my, my boss did, did not think I was a good leader, did not like the way that I led people. And it's just the way he liked to lead people and the way I like to lead people are, are very different. So I, I would say, I think there's always this, how would I describe this? Almost a healthy paranoia of, of (laughs) knowing that I have to be really good at, Mm -hmm. at growing and developing because I'm not, you know, I wasn't like super prepared for any of this. And, and so I I would say if there's one lesson that I've learned along the way, and it's, it's usually what I use to make this point of, like you said, if we went back in a time machine and grabbed us and dropped us in today, it, it would look, it would not look well is that as a leader, you have to here's a better way of saying it is the leader you have to be the most committed to your personal growth and development Mm. and so if there's one thing that i think dave and i if there's a lesson along the way it's that we're constantly focused on how we continue to grow as leaders of the organization Uh, i'm actually at the end of this week uh, we're recording i guess um in a few days thursday three days from now i'll um I'll go spend four days with this group of 11 other kind of business owner, entrepreneur, CEOs that I've gotten together with now for, guess probably eight, eight years. And just kind of like we do our events, we get together and share and learn from each other. So I think just this idea of constantly um, being focused on growing your leadership capacity is a big part of that. Mistakes that I would say we've, we've made along the way. One, I think uh, for a, a long, long time, we became the bottleneck in the business. Everything was so uh, dependent upon me and Dave, and at the time, Derek making decisions that we didn't empower some of the people in leadership roles early enough to to own and make their own decisions. Uh, I think we've remedied that to a, a large degree over the last probably five years. And mm-hmm. you know, I I always say that's something I wish we would have done sooner because it's it's so freeing as the the owner of the business to be able to do that. So. That that would be a big one is just um, trying to probably control too much and, and not empowering the people underneath of you, and then the second one that that I think was a big lesson, <laughs> uh, and I this is one that I still work on every day is I don't think I realized how people view the the owner slash leader of the organization, mm. and here's what I mean by that: Dave and Derek and I would would have these like candid conversations where we would not agree with each other. And we weren't shy about saying like, Hey, here's why I think this way. Here's why I feel this way. We would take that same approach into meetings with our leadership team. And it took me a long time to realize this. As soon as we disagreed, like it shut down all conversation Mm -hmm. in the room and, we were taking the same approach that we had had with each other that we were completely comfortable with is, kind of equals. And not, not that I don't view our leadership team as equals. I don't think they viewed themselves as an equal at times. Yeah. And I heard, um, I was at this John Maxwell event last year and he had, uh, governor Haslam who was the two-term Tennessee governor there. And he said something great. He said, my goal as governor was to get the, the best answers and the best solutions. And I learned really early on that when the governor weighed in, all conversations stopped. So he's like, my goal was to be the last person to talk and also not to not to let people know whether I thought the ideas were good or bad. And I had a tendency of doing that too. If someone said something, I thought it was a, a terrible idea. Like my face probably showed it <laughs> is, yeah. is what I like to say. So, so just being, a, I think, a little bit more aware of that and, and really trying to empower our team and um, not shut down conversation was an, another big one also.
1: That is such a good lesson, and one that I would never have even thought about or considered. But looking back at you know previous jobs I was in, and actually my first job out of college was working for the governor of Virginia, and um, who at the time was Tim Kaine. And I had gotten, I'd graduated college, moved to Richmond, and I'd gotten this like fellowship, so I was like, "Yeah, I'll do this for a little bit." And I remember it being in those meetings where sometimes, like, you're sitting there. I mean, I was also fresh out of college, I was 21, and yeah. so I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. And I'm sitting in these meetings. And yeah, it's, but I think actually at the time, Governor Kane, I would say he did a really good job of kind of being the last person to talk. And I think that is a learned leadership thing and something that maybe even I, I mean, I'm self employed. So it's me, myself, and I really <laughs> having these conversations. But I almost think too in marriage, that's a good lesson of just being, Yep. Quicker to listen than to shut down ideas. And um that can I mean, we're planting a church right now in church planting. I mean, listening to uh to other ideas before you kind of shut things down. And um, man, that's a good leadership lesson. I love that. Now, another thing that I've just been really interested to hear your perspective on is, you know, I, I know that just from hearing piece bits and pieces of your story is you didn't necessarily grow up with money, with a lot of money. And now you work uh, with people who have a lot of money. (laughs) So there's like, you've seen both sides of the kind of going with and going without. And I'm curious, number one, and I'll ask this first before I ask my follow-up question, is what has been a just really transformative resource or lesson for you when it comes to being a good steward of money now? While also knowing that you're working with people who have a lot of money and kind of then passing that off to them to being good stewards of money, does that make sense because that's that's not I mean, my part of my story is I didn't grow up with money and yep. uh, I I don't know if I've ever shared the whole story on this podcast and I won't go into the whole story. but long story short, I got a surprise inheritance when I was 21 and uh, did what most, people who do that <laughs> do and I blew it and ended up in a lot of debt and had to like crawl my way out and and learn from some pretty serious mistakes that I made financially and <laughs> that God thought it was hilarious that then I would one day marry a financial advisor, <laughs> which is just very funny. Um, and it's it's been interesting because he's had clients come in who have received inheritances and he's like, let me tell you what not to do and let me tell you my wife's story Um. <laughs> So I ask all that because I've experienced that as well. So, how have you learned that? What has been integral in in that learning process for you?
0: Um, You you know, there's, and I'll talk a little bit about what you just said. That you know, kind of that lottery idea or or earning more money, and this will go back to the personal growth. Darren Hardy always says this really, really well that. But there's a difference between a, a thermostat and a thermometer, hmm. and he's like, um, and he'll use that even this lottery example, right? A thermostat controls the environment, where a thermometer like just takes the temperature. And he said, if if your if your internal setting isn't set to be able to handle some of those things, then. Then it's never going to work, and mm. I, I think the story around that is like if you inherit a bunch of money, but but you haven't done the things to develop as a person to to be able to handle something like that, or to tie back to the leadership role, right? That's that's why we've had to constantly try and grow and develop as leaders, is because if we didn't, you know, if our internal setting wasn't at a temperature, you know, where the room was, it's going to be it's going to be bad. So I think it's a little bit of that, just constantly trying to figure out. How to grow and develop into the the type of person that that can manage and handle those responsibilities. I would say one of the things that I think has always been helpful for me, not growing up with a lot of money, is it really doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's allowed. Um, it, it's allowed for a certain level of contentment, no matter uh, mm. what what situation I'm in. Um, I, I think there. The final thing, I guess, maybe I'd say and then I'll share just a few resources that have been helpful for me. This is going to sound may, maybe sound weird, but, but it, it allows me to have this level of contentment in the grand scheme of eternity. I don't really think all of this matters all that much anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, I, I think we're all called to, to make the most of the, the opportunities or gifts that we've been given, but, Candidly, like um, I, I don't know that it matters all that much. So that's always been a helpful approach or mindset for me. Of like, I don't really think it's mine anyway. Um, I'm going to make the most of the the opportunities. But I think it's allowed me to have a contentment in in how I view money, uh, in how I view how money can be used. Um, It's funny, actually, a a group of guys that we get together every Thursday morning and and do a little Bible study. We're reading a book right now called Living Life Backwards, which is uh, all about the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, which (laughs) just kind of (laughs) just
1: finished reading Ecclesiastes yesterday. So it's very top of mind.
0: So, I mean, it's been a great book for all of us, I think. But it's something that I've just instinctually had. Kind of that mindset, anyway. So, um, those are a few things. You know, the final thing I'd say is I I do think one thing that I've seen over the last, let's say, fifteen years, being you know around people who have no money, being there myself at one point, um, being around people with with tons of money, is the happiest people tend to be the most generous people, And, and so I think generosity is the one common characteristic that I see amongst people that are content no matter their situation. And there's a, a great book. I think, um, I think the author's name's Chip Ingram, but it's called The Genius of Generosity mm. uh, that I read about 10 years ago. A friend shared, shared with me. Is I was, you know, was, our business was having more success. You start to think like, should I should I be doing something else? Should I go into ministry? We'll have to uh talk church planning because we we just planted a church uh a little over a year ago. So that's fresh in mind too. But that was a, a great book called The Genius of Generosity. Honestly, this book on ecclesiastes living life backwards has been incredible too. It's just helping you kind of keep things in perspective, I guess. So I would say just learning to be content, uh, maybe understanding that all this doesn't matter in the the big picture all that much. And then I think uh, Practicing generosity is is one of the things that's probably common amongst all the people that that tend to do well with or without money.
1: Yeah. Well, that leads perfectly to sort of the second follow up question I wanted to ask, and that was, and forgive me, I don't have like the perfect way to set this question up, so I'm, it's <laughs> we're we're workshopping it as we go. Um, but basically, perfect. one of the things that I think is really that I've been just wrestling with and thinking about in my own life, and um, I think is really interesting is number one, you see advisors and you've worked with advisors and you've worked with people over the last 17 years who have done very well for themselves financially. And you see those, some of those people, there's sort of two groups, one of those groups that do really well financially and then do a lot of really good things. Like you said, gener- they're generous um, and they are really good stewards of that money. And then you've also seen and worked with people who do really well financially and really don't steward it well, don't do really good things. And so there's sort of two different groups of people. And that second group often becomes the group that the general population then has in their mind when they think of wealthy people. And so there's this interesting thing in our society that I I wrestle with it because you have and and I'm I realize that I'm making hasty generalizations. So save your emails <laughs> at people. Okay. So there is almost this glorification I see on social media. And and this is not new to social media, but just in general, of like bragging about being broke and like, I'm so broke, and I this is how much debt I'm in. And yada, yada, yada. So there's like this glorification of it. And But then also this glorification and desire for wealth and riches and living a fancy life and, you know, spending way more than you make. Again, talking from experience as somebody who went into a lot of debt and spent more money than I had. Um, but then when somebody is successful, there's like this, this, this constant desire and pursuit of success. Then when somebody is successful, all of a sudden they are now evil because they have money and they're successful and they're the man and all that kind of stuff. And it's like this, wait a second, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. <laughs> so uh-huh. I don't know. So I, I say all of that. I set all of that up because as the leader of an organization that works with people who have money, who then those people tend to work with people who have money. What do you think of all that? And also, like, how do you lead those people to be good stewards? of what they've been entrusted with. Does that all make sense?
0: Yes. There, there was a lot there. <laughs> There's a lot uh, so, there. I told you, I told
1: you we're working, we're work shopping it out, Cody.
0: <laughs> uh, I'll. So let me, a few things, I guess I would say one, um, as someone who's, who's not had money and now has some money having money is better than not having yeah. it. So <laughs> I, I will say that um, it doesn't fix all problems, but it solves a, a lot of problems. Right. And, and it's, You know, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, there's there's a lot of those needs that money can help you you fit, but it by by no means does it solve all problems. Um, again, I'll go back to what I said before. I I know there's this stereotype of the wealthy billionaire capitalist, and and there are some of those, right? I think if you look at a couple a couple of the, the wealthiest people in the world right now, I don't think they're overly generous, but if you look at the top hundred, what I would tell you is um, a large majority of those do tend to be uber generous. We just don't hear hear those stories most right. of the time. And and, and I would say um, again, the most successful people I've met in my lifetime, billionaires uh, tend to be the most generous. So that doesn't mean that you can't get there without being generous, but generally, I, I don't think that's the case. I just don't think those stories get told enough. And so you know, we hear. About the bad examples, we don't hear about like a Chuck Feeney who um, started the duty-free stores and literally gave away billions and billions of dollars before he died. You know, so so I do think, generally speaking, the the people that are the most successful in life tend to be the most generous. And I've just seen that play out. We just don't hear those stories mm. as much as my, my, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Right. I think yeah. some of that's a, a lot of that's political. Um, I think there's a lot of different reasons. Uh, some of it could be philosophical too. So I, I think that's important. I, I would say what, so going back there's there, there's two kind of driving biblical stories that, that, Motivator drive me. One of those is Matthew 25, which is the story of the five talents. So I, I do think even biblically speaking, we're told that we're each going to be given certain gifts or talents and that someday we're going to be held accountable to what, what we did with those. And I would say most five talent leaders that I've seen tend to be maximizing those and, and figuring out ways to be generous. So that, that's the roundabout way of saying, Like I want to make sure that that I'm making the most of the, the gifts or opportunities that we've been given but to to model that for others, I would say it's we we probably try and do that through actions more than words, right? I try not to talk about it as much as um, show people examples of how to live that out and and hopefully inspire others to to be generous in the way that they in the way that they run their business and yeah. the way that they they live their life um, versus talking about it. I, I think that. Tends to be a lot more powerful when you set the example versus yes. talk about, you know, how they should do that. So, I don't know if I answered no, you <laughs> any did. Of those questions you totally did. completely, but <laughs>
1: yeah. and I, 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 again, I, forgive you me.
0: Know, <laughs> well, I I do wish, and I think you know one. I can say this about our our organization for a long, long time because there is also this biblical thing about not shouting from the rooftops yeah. the good deeds that you're doing, right? right. Not l- letting the the right hand know what the left hand's doing. And, and I think that's something we struggled with forever. And we were pretty quiet and under the radar for the first five, six, seven years of our company's existence. So I would say through 2012. And I actually had a friend who's a, a CEO of a large regional bank here in town kind of challenged me on it and said, I think if you guys were a little more... Um, not vocal even, but just uh, if you would share a little bit more about what you're doing, I think it would inspire a lot of other businesses to model that behavior. And so I think that's something that we still struggle with to this day. I, I tell people in my ideal dream world, nobody would know who I am. I'm actually a lot more of an introvert than extrovert. Um, I, I can be an extrovert when I'm amongst people that I know. But yeah. If you drop me into a you know strangers, I'm going to go hang out in the corner probably. Uh, so in my ideal world, nobody would know who we are. But I have seen the benefit of being able to model um, generosity in action and and inspire other people to do that also. Yeah, I wish we told <laughs> more stories about the the companies yeah. and the people that are super generous because they they outweigh those that are not.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's honestly why I started this podcast was to be able to highlight and talk about here are these companies that are doing really amazing things. And here are people who are using yeah. business as a force for good. Um, there's two things that you said that I really want to touch on. And one is the, the parable of the five talents and that kind of being one of your sort of underlying... Uh, I don't know, motivations or or whatever, but actually, it's really interesting. Uh, so in our church plant a couple months ago, actually, my husband uh, preached a sermon, and he preached on uh, the parable of the five talents. And one of the things that he said that I had never known before, I, it had never occurred to me, is there's this, uh, you know, we always hear, he gave this example of like, he's like, you know, funerals, When like Uncle Bubba's like, oh, Rick, you know, he walked through the pearly gates and he heard well done, good and faithful servant. Like that is actually not biblical. The only time in the entire Bible where the the phrase well done, good and faithful servant is used is in the parable of the five talents. And it's when somebody was a good steward of money. And I had Mm -hmm. never heard that before. And I was like, John Stillman. Why are you blowing my mind right now? But I, truly, the only time in the Bible that well done, good and faithful servant is used is when somebody was a good steward of money. It has nothing to do with when you die and anything like that. And sure, maybe, maybe Jesus does say that, but we don't know. It doesn't say that. The only time it's said is when somebody's a good steward of money. And so I thought that was just yep. so interesting and 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 really I think speaks to what you were saying is this idea of just being a good steward and a faithful steward of, of what you've been given. And then the second thing is also something that I have wrestled with, and that was um, what you were talking about with uh, you know, not shouting from the rooftops what you're doing and not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And the only reason. I have been able to better wrestle with that this year is so I uh, did a Bible study this year um, in the book of Matthew. And so from September to May just was like neck, knee deep in Matthew and right after each other. And it's actually, I think, all in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about, you know, don't pray in front of others to like be seen how, how holy you are. Don't give in front of others to be seen how generous are you. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. But then in the very next chapter, and maybe it's like two chapters later, but it's like all in the same conversation, he then says like, let your good deeds shine so that they may glorify your father in heaven. And so it's this, it was this moment of like, wait a second. Like (laughs) Jesus isn't like, he's not, uh, you know, contradicting himself. So, what what is it really looking at? And so we we talked a lot about that in this study this year. Is wait a second, what which one is it? And what it really actually boils down to is the heart. And you can mm. look at everything in Matthew, and you can boil it down to what is the condition of your heart. And so, if the condition of your heart and the reason that you are telling other people about. How, you know, praying in front of others or telling other people about how generous as you are is to make yourself look good, then that's when you should keep your mouth shut. But if you, if your genuine heart and you between you and God know the condition and the soil of your heart. But if you know that the condition and the soil of your heart is I want to inspire other people to also be generous. I want to glorify God because I'm trying to be a good steward of what he's given me, then that's when you you let other people know what you're doing and it's it's not Amen. a pretty black and white answer because it is all about the condition of your heart and so i just one of the things that I know about you and I know about the the leaders at AE and you and Dave is the condition of your heart is you guys genuinely truly believe in inspiring others to be good stewards. And I've seen that over the years through the way that you guys give millions of dollars to some incredible organizations. And then also just what you how you treat your employees. And so I want to talk about that because I want to talk about some of the things that AE, AE has done over the years to, to impact both kind of locally right there in Topeka. I mean, I know you guys are doing a ton of development in Topeka, which I have lots of questions about, but also (laughs) just um, your MAD program, the Jones project. Um, So talk about some of the things that you guys have done to be good stewards and, and to hopefully inspire others.
0: So, so many great things there. And I, I agree with the, you know, letting your light shine. I think that's one of the things that's gotten us comfortable with it. Um. The one thing I would say, though, is before I always I I tell this story about um, Andrew Carnegie and I was reading his biography and, you know, Andrew Carnegie's went on to become one of the most generous, uh, most well-known philanthropists, you know, the world over. But I was always struck by this situation where um, when he had some of his steelworkers on strike sent in like the militia to like calm the strike ended up killing people like it was this this war between workers and it always struck me that this this person ended up killing people who worked for him and helped him make all his wealth and then ended up giving all his money away to complete strangers hmm. you know towards the end of his life and after he passed so there was something in there and this was probably a dozen years ago that and i've said this a lot it blows my mind when people treat Strangers better than they treat the people who work for them or work with them to help them build the business that they build. So, so I think you know one thing I would tell you is our our generosity. We we try and always start that here first at AE, one with the advisors that we serve, and then also with the the team that works here at AE. And so, constantly focused on what can we do to add more value there. Um, and, and then I think obviously the third community we talk about impacting is is Topeka and our our local community here. So, but, but I do think we, I've just seen so many people who treat their employees like crap and then give a bunch of money away in the community. And that's just always baffled me. It's never, never made sense to me. So, you know, I think some of that's, you know, how you treat your employees, but benefits that you offer, uh, just different things that are made available to them. And I think we're constantly trying to figure out what, what are things that we can do to where, what, what I want to say is that someone's life is better because they work here than mm. if they didn't, right. That they, they can't imagine their life being better, um, without AE in it. So looking at ways that we can do that. One thing we did, we, we, uh, partnered with a, I don't know what they called, uh, basically a primary care physician that doesn't take insurance. And now we have two full-time nurse practitioners here at AE that our employees and their family get access to. Um, so that's been kind of like a concierge doctor. It's been awesome, an awesome service. Wow. Uh, we just hired our, our first, uh, he just started this year and he's, he's doing awesome, but we hired a full-time financial advisor on staff to work with our team members here to help them, um, you can educate all you want. But what I've found even personally is if you hire someone and you know this well, you know, because your, your husband does it every day, but if you hire an advisor to help you put a plan in place and, and hold you accountable to that, you're a lot more successful. So Andrew started this year and just works full-time with our team and their, and their family members. We hired a full-time therapist on staff now. So actually partnered with someone, but she's full-time with our staff. Uh, going back to some mental health things that we're seeing, just you know, I think in the workplace in the community right now. Uh, so that's that's been good, but she's it's crazy how how fast her schedule has filled up. But it's been a good resource for people to have uh, right here in the in the office where they can go meet and talk to her at any time they need to. Also, so wow. I think just trying to figure out ways so we can pour into the the people here. You know, in in the community, it's the other thing we say all the time: we want to. We want to have a a dramatic life-changing impact on our advisors, our team, and our community. So I think constantly looking at what are ways that we can uh, contribute back. Some of that's financial. A lot of that's uh, man man hours. So we do um, once a quarter team members go out and serve in the community during work time. So it's a lot. I think last year we donated or volunteered about 6000 hours in the community, partnering Mm -hmm. with different organizations during work time. So it's not like something you do after work or on the weekend, Uh, but it's been great for us too. It's a great culture builder for our team here. I have taken, I've always liked real estate. Uh, I bought my first house that same junior year of college. Uh, So I've done some development, uh, renovating or redoing our downtown or trying to revive our downtown. So have done some real estate development, opened a boutique hotel, a couple restaurants. Wouldn't highly recommend those, those for anybody. they are a lot of work, but I have a great team who runs that for me, and um, it's been neat to see it kind of revive our, our downtown community also. So I don't know if I answered that question completely, no, you did. but yeah. just um, you, you may want to dig in on any of those deeper if you want to.: Yeah.
1: So. Well, I, I want I want to talk about the Mad program because I think it's really interesting and really unique. And so explain to us what it is, because this is something that you did specifically for uh,
0: your people. Well, it's for two things. It's for um, our advisors and or team members here. And it's uh, more of a team led thing. So, you know, all things being one thing I've said a lot, all things being equal, I think the business that provides the best experience will always win. And so we're always talking about how, especially as we grow larger and larger, and John's been with us for a long time. So he's seen it right where he probably knew every person that worked here at one point in time and, yeah, and obviously now, doesn't today. Does not,
1: does not. Um,
0: yeah. So, it's, and it's one of the things we hear, oh, you've gotten so big. I think one of the ways to combat that is to try and create personal connections and, and personal experiences. So um, this was a program years ago we launched it. it was called PPI, Personalized Positive Impact. And simply put, the way it works is every employee has a $50 budget every month to, to listen to and try and... Create some sort of personal positive impact on either our advisors or another team member, and what we say is it can't be you know a generic Starbucks gift card. Like be listening for opportunities to to create a cool impact or experience on them. So we launched this like like anything you know for the first year or two it went great. Then we kind of stopped focusing on it, and what do you know? Everyone else did, and then uh, two years ago we have this program here we call AE Influencers. So it's up and coming leaders within the organization or people who we think are going to be good leaders that are nominated and they tackle these different projects over this kind of six month period of time. One of those groups revived this program and they they rebranded it as, they call it MAD, but it's Make a Difference. And So it was the same concept, those every employee every month has $50 that they can use to try and create a cool impact on our advisors or on another team member here as they see those. So, I mean, I think it's, um, I was just going to kind of flip through some of the examples because they're good. Norm Caldwell was an advisor. His dad had passed away. Mm. Um, On a phone call with one of our employees, he was mentioning this and he was, he was reading her this poem that her his dad had written his mom before he passed away. So she had our team transcribe. She went and found the call, you know, had him pull the call, transcribed the poem, went out on Facebook and found a picture of his dad, and just put this awesome picture together of his dad with this poem and sent it to him. And so probably didn't even cost 50 bucks, right? But it was this thing that he left this voicemail. I still I've I've shared this a lot over the years when I talk about this example where he's trying to thank her and can't get through like the message because he keeps breaking down. And so um, it's crazy. That's probably seven years ago and I still get emotional when I talk about it, but it's little things like that. So, you know, if someone passed away, if if there's been some cool experience, something fun that's happened, I'd, Think they'll he'll have this gift before this podcast comes out. But one of our advisors just posted that he did this like two week RV trip with his kids. So our team created this awesome package that they're sending home. So just little things like that, trying to find ways that that it's really personal and speaks to to them is really what the program's about. And and for us now, I think the key is we've got to make sure that we're constantly communicating. And so every month we're sharing examples of what people have been doing to, yeah. to keep it top of mind.
1: That's so cool. It reminds me of uh, something I've read. I read in a business book about the Ritz-Carlton and it's like staff at Ritz-Carlton have something similar where it's like they have a certain, It's and I don't know what the budget is, but they have a certain budget to basically like, Bring somebody's experience to uh, an, another level, and maybe you know more specifically, like what the budget is or whatever it is. But funny enough, when we were actually on uh, the AE uh, summit trip in Hawaii last year, we stayed at uh, the Ritz Carlton in Kapalua, which that was my first time ever staying at a Ritz Carlton. I was very, yeah. I was very excited. It was very fancy, um, and I was just be like, yes, you know, just casually going to Hawaii and staying at the Ritz Carlton. But we mm-hmm. brought our kids, and we were actually there on the trip over my daughter's birthday, which is part of why we brought them because we were like, you know that our daughter's gonna be like, remember that time that I turned eight and you guys <laughs> went to Hawaii without me? So we we brought them. Um, but it was really cool because actually our housekeeper, our housekeeper, we had talked with her throughout the week and we'd made friends with Liza. Liza was our housekeeper. And Lily had told Liza that um, it was her birthday. And later that night, Liza or yeah, our housekeeper, Liza, put in the room, like made a special lay for Lily and then gave Lily like a little stuffed mermaid from the gift shop. I mean, like had this whole setup for Lily's birthday on our on our bed. And with like a handwritten note from her, like wishing her a happy birthday. And Lily still talks about that. And still mm. every single day sleeps with that mermaid and she named it Liza. And so she mm-hmm. named this stuffed mermaid after the housekeeper at the Ritz-Carlton, Kapalua, which I just think is such a cool, you know, she'll remember that for the rest of her life that um, a housekeeper um, at this hotel, you know, really made a, an impact on her. So you're you're right. It's those little personal touches can can make a huge difference.
0: Well, and you're sharing that story with thousands and thousands of people that listen to this, right? And I'm sure you've shared it more than once. It's, I mean, it's crazy. It goes back to that idea. It's it's why the Ritz Carlton's the Ritz Carlton, right? They they get that so so well, um, and it really does. It's going back to all things being equal, Ritz Carlton does a better job than most hotels of creating those cool experiences when they find them. So, a, a big part of that that I would say that that you just highlighted is really listening for those opportunities to make that impact right it's different than just saying like hey thanks for being here you know it's really listening for some opportunities to make it unique and special
1: I'm gonna take a quick break from my chat with Cody Foster to thank our other partner of the show and that is Mama Suds. You know that Mama Suds is one of my absolute favorite brands. I've been using their products for years. The head mama, Michelle Smith, has been on my show in the past. And what I love most is not only are her products safe, non-toxic, clean ingredients, but they are effective from cleaning windows to walls, floors, upholstery, carpets, you name it. Mama Suds has a product to help you clean it. We, like I said, have used their products for years. I personally love their Castile Soap. Their non-toxic stain stick is absolutely life-changing. I love their all-purpose household cleaner that I use to clean every surface of my home. I am an evangelist for Mama Suds forever, and I just love them, and I know that you will too. So head on over to mamasuds.com and use the coupon code MOLLY for 15% off. That's mamasuds.com, use the code MOLLY, for 15% off. Now back to my conversation with Cody Foster. Now, so kind of interesting, because this leads into a story that I wanted you to, to tell, because we were kind of talking about this experience, this client experience. And I know that you are right now doing some college visits, with, which is like kind of crazy because when i first started going to ae stuff with my husband i feel like your son was like 4 so i mean he
0: was older he, than that he probably was <laughs> yeah.
1: but um just thinking about how you know you've been doing these college visits and you're you're seeing them from a very different perspective can you tell us that story
0: yeah and and you know as we were even talking about that a little it, so to be fair he was born 3 days after we started the company so so he really has kind of grown yeah. up um, with, with ae and and uh it's it, it's wild for me even to think that he's going to be a senior in high school. But we've done uh, we've done this boys trip meeting him every summer since he was 12. And our goal was by the time he graduates college to have visited every major league baseball stadium. So we're, we're about 18 or 19 in or so. That's awesome. Last summer, we decided, why don't we tie in some college visits as part of that? And so um, we visited Texas A&M and Baylor. And since then, have visited K-State and, and Arkansas also. I don't know. I, I have this problem with everything I do. If I always do it from like a, a business owner, entrepreneur lens. Right. So <laughs> yeah. I'm always, I'm always everything I experience. I'm like, man, they could have done this so much better, <laughs> but, but it was, it was interesting even on these college visits, watching how, how different each one did it, but then also how many little things that I, I feel like they missed. And a, a little of it was maybe understanding like your you know, your target audience. So, so we're here, I'll give you the perfect example. We go to Texas A&M, a huge campus, a uh, huge school. They have, they, they even mentioned that they have the largest football stadium in college athletics. It holds like 110,000 people. Um, you, you know, my son's there, 17 year old boy, like loves sports. You would think they would have shown us the stadium. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't, you know, they didn't take us in Kyle Field, which is like iconic. Um, didn't take us over by the basketball or baseball stadium. Some of the things that you would think they would do, but they did take us to their uh, student like uh, activity center, which was awesome. And uh, took us through a few of the dorms, which were really cool. Then we go to Baylor the next day baylor does the opposite they take us in the football stadium get pictures down on the field uh, which was a cool experience take us by the basketball arena now on the flip side they didn't show us any of the dorms they didn't show us the they didn't show they talked about their uh, student activity center right how awesome it is but we didn't go see it and so there were just these little things i was thinking about like i mean i would have shown all those like and, and then when he went to K-State, I didn't go with him. He said it was the worst visit of all of them. Now, I don't know <laughs> if it'll matter because he's such a huge K-State fan that that's probably still the favorite of where he'll end up at. But just thinking about that, you know, take I don't know what Baylor costs. I didn't look real close yet because I don't know if we're going there or not. But I think it's fifty or $60,000 a year. So here you have a, a kid on campus that's worth $200,000 plus in revenue to your organization over the next four years and and you leave out just some little things. And not to say I would say of all the ones we've been on, that they, they did the best job actually, but there's just these little things. And so one of the things we talk to our advisors all the time about is you so often you get caught up in your own business that you don't stop and take time to look at it with an objective viewpoint. We always talk about uh, secret shopping yeah. business. I own a couple, I own some restaurants, right? We have, through US Foods, they have a secret shopper program where every month they send people in on our behalf to secret shop. And they have a whole checklist of things that they're going through on that visit. So we created that for our advisors. It's a secret shopper checklist. Simple things like, how easy is it to find your building? What's the signage look like? You know, what's your lobby look like? And so I think a lot of times as businesses we get so caught up in in what we're doing that we never take the time to to truly just look at the business from like what your client is experiencing and it was just those college visits have had that so top of mind for me and just even thinking through some things that we're doing here and you know have have we ever thought like I wonder what the advisor sees when they walk in or what they experience so yeah. um it's been fun to look at it with just a little different perspective and and share some of that feedback
1: Yeah Funny enough, my mother-in-law was a secret shopper back in the day, and my husband always loves to tell the story when she was a secret shopper because she has the worst (laughs) poker face. (laughs) It was always like super obvious that she was very clearly a secret shopper, which really cracks me up. And I bet you. I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I. There, I know you work with a lot of financial advisors. I have to think my husband is probably the only one that his clients get the experience of coming to meet with him at a farm. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> there, he, there may be a couple. You may be surprised. Yeah, but, maybe. But maybe. there's some. There's some cool, unique things about uh, being an independent advisor where you can really tie it into some things that are important or special to you too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing how when some of his clients who are coming out here to the farm to meet in person... You, you know, maybe it's, they've been working with him for a few years, but it's their first time out to the farm. Like how many of them always make a comment? Like, Oh, I just love coming out here. Like we've had, mm-hmm. he's had clients who have driven over an hour, like they could meet on zoom, but he's like, they're like, no, I want to come out to the farm. So that's always, that's, cool. that, that's pretty fun. Um, okay. I, there's a couple more things I want to hit before we go. Um, sure. but I want you to talk about the Jones project because I know that this is something that is really, near and dear uh, to your heart. You know, this was um, something that affected everybody that worked with AE um, was the loss of yeah. Josh Jones last year. And so um, I'd love for you to kind of talk about that and and why that is, um, what it's doing and, and why it's so close to your heart.
0: Well, it, it's um, so, so Josh Jones was a super close friend, he actually involved in the church plant where we did. Um, and just a key team member here at AE that was kind of beloved. And always has struggled with some mental health issues, anxiety, and, and some stuff and um, took his life last March. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those things. It was just, there's um, speaking of that whole, like trying to lead, you know, <laughs> trying to lead through COVID. So we had a year of COVID and then Josh taken his life, uh, you know, about a year year later after COVID started, there's no real playbook for that. So yeah. it was a, a tough, yeah, I mean, it's still tough, I, yeah. I think to this day for, for a lot of us, but You know, I think what I've just noticed is, man, mental health and some of the issues around um, anxiety, depression are just out of control right now. I think when we isolate people for years and we, I always say, put, you know, this media, I call fear porn, for lack of a better way to describe it, in in front of your face, you know, every single day telling you everyone's going to die. And it's created a lot of issues. So really started talking about, and then... The entrepreneur in me always tries to figure out, you know, how can I make things better, I guess. So um, one pretty interesting thing that happened at Josh's funeral, uh, Lindsay Parker, who works for us and was good friends with Josh, her and her husband came to the funeral. Her husband had never met Josh before but while he was at that funeral had this realization that he was kind of in the same place josh was and that Mm. he had battled mental health his whole life but really never told anyone about it had never sought any help but just tried to power through it and he was a really successful wrestling coach actually was coming off winning the first ever state championship at the school he he coaches at and uh open up to lindsey on the ride home about he, you know, he's been fighting these same things and it ended up becoming this cool story that came out of it of how he sought help and kind of a big article was written in the paper about it. He's been very public about it and um, kind of ha- had a big impact. So him and I have just connected through that and have talked a lot over the last year. I keep telling him, like, I know there's something here. And, and so we started, it actually launched June 1st. You know, I say our real launch will probably be uh, August when schools get back in place. But Damon walked away from teaching and is the director now of on we're calling it the Jones Project, but uh, starting a nonprofit focused on just raising awareness around around mental health, but then also just changing the way that we talk about it, um, support and treat people. With mental health issues, so our kind of first phase is Damon's a great speaker. Um, you know, his his success in coaching has opened a lot of avenues in schools. So, kind of step one is him. You know, our goal is to be in basically every middle school and high school in mm. in Topeka Shawnee County, and then across the state. Uh, he's got a great presentation he gives talking about some of his own challenges, and then just sharing with kids like, "Hey, here's some of the options for you to go get help." and and how, um, how important it is to go get help. So that's going to be kind of phase one. Phase two, I have this big idea of, of creating this uh, week-long event in Topeka that that's, becomes like the South by Southwest for mental health and bringing uh-huh. together all these experts. And Topeka used to be home to the Miniger Foundation, which was known as kind of the the, the premier mental health organization uh, in the world. It, Topeka used to be known as the mental health capital of the world. Uh, insurance and and government support of some of those things kind of changed that because uh, it was hard for them to keep that going. So kind of have this idea of replanting that flag and and this being this thing where we bring together all the best thought leaders uh, around mental health and just try and figure out some solutions because right now uh, what what we're doing is not working. It's, it's getting worse. It's not getting better. And uh, we've got to, got to figure out some ways to change and turn the momentum back the other way. Yeah.
1: I mean, every single week on our church's prayer meeting, I mean, I'd say one of the most common, if not the most common topic every week is anxiety and depression and, and so many people are battling it. And I'm really encouraged to hear you and, um, you know, just you guys that men are leading this because men have a much more difficult time talking about this than women do. Not that women are great at talking about it, but men particularly struggle with talking about mental health issues because they feel like it makes them look weak. Or not as manly, or whatever, and that is so not true. And so I, I love that you guys are leading this charge, and um, I just am so encouraged by it. And uh, thank you for the work that you're doing in this area.
0: Well, it you know it's one of those things, Molly. I've never struggled with it ever. I still don't to this day. I, I you know, Josh used to ask me all the time. He was my chief of staff for like four years, so he he was with me everywhere he'd always say, it's like, man, I don't understand how you're not stressed out. <laughs> you know, he. So he would see the, the context of all the things going on here and uh, even outside of here to some degree. And I'm like, I don't know, man, it's the way God made me. I've just never, never worried about it. I've never stressed about it. Um, it wh- what I've learned over the years is eventually it all gets done. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep over it. And going back to what I said at the beginning of this, I also, in the grand scheme of eternity, don't know that all this matters all that much. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not going to worry about it a lot, but I've had to learn. I've I have learned a lot about it over the last year, and I, I think you're right. I I say this all the time. It's it's just easy that we do view it that way, but um, there, there's a lot of I mean physical reasons that that it happens that way. You know, our brain kind of shuts down when we're dealing with yeah. anxiety and stress as a defense mechanism, and then it makes it harder to to process. So, but we're going to try and do our best, and and I know there are a lot of great organizations, and I think just figuring out how we all. Um, try and go tackle this problem together. And, and I think part of that is what you just said, making it normal to to let someone know that you are dealing with this yeah. and, and then knowing where to go get the resources to help you also. Yeah.
1: Man, Cody, this has been so good. Uh, there's still so many other things I'd like to ask you, but we're running out of time. Okay. So it's now the portion okay. of the show where we ask some fun, get to know you questions. Not that we haven't been getting to Uh-oh. know you already. So uh, are you ready for the get to know you round?
0: Yes. And you're probably going to find out I'm really boring. This <laughs> no, is what, what these will probably... You're not boring. You're not highlight. boring at all.
1: Um, well, the first question I wanted to ask is actually a unique question to you, because as I mentioned at the very, very beginning, over the years, you have been able to sit down and interview some really pretty well-known people, a la Shaq, Peyton Manning, Michael Phelps, George W. Bush. So I'm just curious, have you ever been like really nervous to to interview somebody? And if so, who was it?
0: Yeah, um, it, that that one's pretty easy, actually. Most I'm not. Uh, president Bush was the the only time <laughs> I've probably ever been nervous. Right. And he um, one just to put in perspective, like I grew up in a small town in western Kansas. As I said, first person in my family to go to college to think that I would ever be sitting on stage with a, a president, you know, former president just was almost unbelievable. And there, there's just something um, I, I respect about that office, uh, n- no matter your political affiliation. I, I think that's the... <laughs> speaking of stress has to be the most stressful job yeah. in the entire world. You wake up every day learning about some some of the worst of humanity and, and having to make decisions that are life and death constantly. So I, I think just the weight of that office and that role, uh, I, w- I was pretty nervous there. But You know, he did such an awesome job. I think he could sense that and, and joked like the first (laughs) question I asked him, he, he just made a joke out of it and just put me at ease, put the audience at ease. Uh, it it was just an incredible person, you know? And I, I think the thing too was, um, and I, I liked President Bush. I don't know if I agreed with everything. I I don't know that I paid enough attention to everything he did at the time I was busy running this business or building this business, but even people who did not like him left that night saying, Man, I have a whole new appreciation for him, mm-hmm. right? And, and I, I think a lot of times we don't get to see the real person; we get the, right. the picture. Both sides, right? I think President Obama got the same thing, depending upon what side you sit on. But just um, hearing kind of his perspective on decisions that they made and why they made them, uh, hearing kind of his perspective on just that role and and you know the weight you bear was um, good perspective for everyone to hear. Yeah. I think it's good perspective for us to to all remember is that. You know, I, I always say, like, it blows my mind when people hope our presidents fail. Uh, yeah. I, I don't care yeah. what political party they're in. I, I would I always hope, you know, w- whatever president in office is goes down as the greatest president. Ever. Yeah. Um, and I, I wish we would do that a little bit more. And and but we're not going to solve that on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, so.
1: yeah. No, not quite. That this is a different <laughs> that's a different podcast. Um, OK. Yeah. <laughs> Question number two is what was your favorite TV show to watch growing up?
0: Oh, growing like grow growing up like what age?
1: Well, you know, like maybe like middle school, early high school. I don't know, somewhere in there.
0: Yeah. So, so these are going to be a little weird, probably, or, or or maybe a little different than you would expect. You know, I grew up in the country, and we had the big antenna, and we only got CBS and PBS. Yeah. So those were the only two. So, but then I remember my my grandma had moved into town and had cable, and and that was just so awesome. But man, my favorite, like kind of through that time was like Andy Griffith show, oh, Beverly yeah. Hillbillies. Like those were the ones that I remember. Like, I think some of that was my grandma watched them a lot. So yeah. I was always watching those with her. So my wife still makes fun of me. Like I'll flip through and if Andy Griffith shows on, like I turn it and she's like, "What? why are you watching this? And I'm like. I don't know. It just takes me back to to those times. So th- those were some I loved. Um, also, you know that era was kind of Saved by the Bell. I love Saved by the Bell. That yeah. was like the Saturday morning show. But. Th- those would be probably three that like are top of mind for me.
1: Yeah. Well, John Stillman uh, has seen every episode of Andy Griffith multiple times. So you uh, guys have uh, that in common. So you guys can talk Andy Griffith. Like we'll, if you give an Andy we'll Griffith re- that. Re- reference, <laughs> he will know it because he he has all the seasons on DVD. He's probably going to be really mad. That's that, I, awesome. shared that. <laughs> I love it. OK, um, if you had to eat the same meal for dinner every night for the rest of your life, what would it be?
0: Uh, tacos.
1: Tacos, yes, you are my people, Cody.
0: Tacos. Super easy. You can have different types, right? If you want, so yeah, that's my, that's our go-to as a family. So. All right.
1: So I know now that why at every AE event there's always like a taco day. There's always a taco. day. That's right. <laughs> yes, that's always yep, my. They favorite.
0: call it. Everyone's like, I wonder if today's going to be the, you know, the taco day. So
1: I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Big, big fan over here. Okay. All right. And then my last question is the question that I ask all my guests, and that is, uh, Cody, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Uh,
0: so, so I would take it back to so much of what we've probably talked about already. I, I think the, the story, I won't go into the whole detail of it, but, um, the story of the five talents, uh, uh, is such a pivotal story and kind of even this business here and, and the growth and that happened about 11 or 12 years ago, this story where, uh, Preacher uh, walked into a church for the first time and kind of was going there trying to find purpose, I think, a little bit. And that was the message that was preached that day and just kind of ever since then has been a driving force. And then I think you said it well, right? We're, we're called to to let our light shine and our good deeds in a way that, that glorifies um, our God in heaven. So just really trying to make the most of the opportunities that we've been given and um, leave the people that that work, either work with us like your husband or work for us here at AE, I think in a a better place because of the business that we've been able to build. And I, I really do think business has the opportunity to have a huge impact and like I said, I, I wish we would tell more stories of those businesses yeah. that are you know, you, using their business to really um, create some positive impact in the world right now. So the the final one I would say is that uh, another verse, it's just pray the two, the story of the five talents. And then Ephesians 3.20 for me is another one that says um, God's able to do, depending on the version, abundantly or immeasurably more than than we can even believe. And I see that in our business. I think if, if we uh, do things in a way that will glorify him, he's going to bless those, and that's not like a you know prosperity gospel message yeah. necessarily, but because I, I do think re- it requires a lot of hard work, also, right? right? Um, it, it, there's a lot of work that goes into it, but just I've really seen that lived out. It's you know the foundation my wife and I set up is called the Aim Five Foundation, so it's based on that idea of abund- abundantly or measurably more is the aim part of it. Five, the story of the five talents, so. I think all of us are anointed with special gifts. And, uh, you know, mine, I would say, is being an entrepreneur, kind of a creator. I love doing that. And so I want to make sure I do that to the, the best of my ability and impact some people in a positive way around us. So good. I don't know if that, that was a good answer, but it was
1: so good. It was so good. Cody, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for all the work that you're doing. And just, uh, I'm just really grateful for you.
0: Yeah. Keep up the great work. And thanks for having me.
1: I told you that Cody is just the best. He is just somebody that I admire. I just love his outlook on life. I love his humility, his honesty. Man, this was such a good conversation, and I hope that you loved it too. Be sure to tune in next week for my interview with my guest, Paige Allen. And Paige is just a rock star of a human being. I adore her. She's a pastor, speaker, writer. She's passionate about opening doors for others who have had aha moments in scripture. She is hilarious. We had the best conversation and I know you're going to love it. So don't miss next week's episode. But as always, I would love to know what you loved about this episode. So let me know on social media. You can tag me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast wherever you are on social, whether it's you know Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, use my show hashtag business with And if you are brand new, if you're a new listener, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you check out the archives for so many incredible interviews with just fantastic leaders and entrepreneurs and people who are changing the world. And if you're one of my regulars, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Thank you for your support. I hope that you would take a moment to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen, click that subscribe or follow button to help make sure that you never miss a new episode of the show. And if you have a moment, would you leave a review? Leaving a rating or a review just really helps the show to grow and also helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is impacting you. I want to thank the incredible production team at Third Wheel Media for putting the show together. As always, it's time to go do something good with Purpose on Purpose.